Ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Matt Sahab, and let me tell you, this episode will be an absolute treat. Our guest today is one of the NFT goats who is ready to drop some gold nuggets all over today's pod. This gentleman went from working as a journalist and GTM strategist in financial technology to becoming the biggest virtual shopper in the world. What a job that must be. Present day, he's the steward of the Metapurse, the world's largest NFT fund, estimated to be worth $189 million, and also owns the $69 million famous Beeple piece. A true pioneer in the NFT space and has no plans of stopping anytime soon. I am very pleased to welcome to the Crypto News podcast, Tubador. Mate, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Matt. It's great to be here. Very, very excited to have you on. You know I'm a big NFT guy. I've been beating this drum for a while now. I actually got to give the big shout out to Maddie, DCL blogger. Had him on the pod back in March. He was my second ever episode. Got me into them and forever grateful for him. And you, Medicoven, and a bunch of the other goats have been a huge inspiration to me and uh, have also made me, a, a, not a pretty penny, but a nice shiny penny. So I'm very grateful for that. Appreciate you. <laughs> Happy to help. <laughs> hey, got, had to get that out of the way. Now, I don't want to start with these questions, but I feel like we have to start with these questions because when people scroll down the Crypto News podcast guest list and they see your name, they're going to click on it. I know people are going to be listening to this episode. Everyone is going to want to ask, when did you know that NFTs were going to take over the world? Quite honestly, we um, we hadn't even thought about it. We just jumped into it because it was the coolest thing we could see. Uh, we didn't get into the NFT space because it would, uh, you know, become something or become, um, you know, uh, some sort of a financial engine as such. It's just that we thought that was the coolest thing ever. And uh, to back up just a little bit, uh, Metacoven got into the NFT space uh, somewhere in, in 2017. We completely bypassed uh, CryptoKitties and uh, CryptoPunks and um, all of those. But for some reason, the idea of uh, virtual land sort of spoke to him. And this goes back to the idea of uh, um, property rights, right? And as you know, property rights are not equal all over the world. They're not the same uh, in India as they are in the US, as they are in uh, Malaysia or some other place. So the, uh, you know, the thought of having inalienable ownership over a digital asset in perpetuity was very powerful. And that's how, you know, Metacoven's journey into the NFT space started, which is why we are uh, the largest uh, you know, owners of the largest estate in Decentraland. We have lots of land uh, elsewhere and so on and so forth. Uh, me personally, um, I got into the NFT space because, uh, well, crypto started to make sense to me only during the pandemic when I discovered NFTs. Uh, all of those abstract concepts, right, of uh, lineable ownership that I spoke about or financial independence, uh, all of that stuff was so abstract up until then. And suddenly in the NFT space, they started to, dance in front of you in color, they become so vivid, you know, something more experiential than trying to uh, eke out meaning from graph charts and, and, you know, pie charts and so on, which is what had happened uh, until then across all of the other inflection points in crypto. They're talking about Bitcoin, altcoins, the ICO boom, or even DeFi, right? Now it, it, it all started to make sense to me. So I suppose for Metacoven, uh, NFTs were the answer from uh, late 2017 onwards. And for me, uh, my eyes were opened in, in February of 2020. You still got in at a great time. And I love the point you brought up about how it's a little something extra and it's more than that traditional chart that people look at. 
when you go buy a traditional stock on the on the NYSE or the Nasdaq or the you know Toronto Stock Exchange, whatever the case may be, what do you have to show for it? Nothing. You get a big chunk of mail that shows the financial reports, and that's it. Yes, you get to see the dollar value go up in your bank account, similar to crypto, but you don't actually get to really own anything. Whereas with NFTs, you get this beautiful piece of art along with something that can rise in value. And that, that really is an incredible feeling. Absolutely. It's, it's like, it's not just art though, is it? It's, it's everything, uh, you know, it's basically your uh, permanent hook to culture, whatever it is you identify with. It could be, you know, an in-game asset. It could be a piece of virtual land, it could be a building. It could be uh, a jetpack from Jadu. It could be a crypto punk. It could be related uh, to your identity. It could be related to your uh, sense of, sensibilities be related to that part of you, that 10 year old inside of you that wants to have fun in a game, whatever it is. And I think that's what makes NFT so powerful because you can relate to them at a very, very basic level, at a very emotional level. Do you agree? 100% I agree. And I always tell my peers this, whether it's family, friends, coworkers, people within my network, it doesn't matter. The rush, the adrenaline, the sort of raison d'etre that you get with purchasing NFTs, joining that Discord group, following everyone on Twitter. The sense of community is beyond addicting. I don't have an I do not have an addictive personality. And when I got into NFTs very, very heavy, you know, a couple of months ago, um, my girlfriend almost left me because I was going head over heels, 16 hour days on weekends, not seeing anyone else, not leaving my office. Thankfully I have a standing desk, so I was at least walking on the spot. But how, like how addicting is it? It's crazy. <laughs> it is, and and you get addicted to the weirdest things uh, in the NFT space, don't you? It's, it's like uh, it's not just your girlfriend or your or your family that can't make sense out of it. It's it's even other people in the NFT space sometimes. For instance, I I fell in love with these uh, uh, with these virtual voxelized sneakers, uh, and and they were called the Abyss. They were made by No Shot, who's one of the co-founders of uh, Async Art. I just had to have them, you know, <laughs> I, I, I went ape, you know, I, I you know, started to uh, bid for that, uh, bid for those shoes uh, through multiple wallets, spent way more than I should, but I'm happy. <laughs> those voxelized green, uh, you know, uh, sea green sneakers are my most prized possessions and I can't explain it, but that's just the way it is. One, one thing that I would love to ask you as someone who sold a couple. Now, I've only sold a couple of my NFTs. I'm a big time hodler. I like to, I like to hodl things, hold on to things. When you sell an NFT, it's like you're ending a relationship. I have people, I have friends who have, I'm not going to say cried, but have been pretty darn close to actually shedding tears when they've made a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50x return on their investment, but have lost that NFT. How do you describe that feeling of, of falling in love with a JPEG? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think uh, uh, Dylan Fields put it uh, uh, perfectly. I think he he used to own the Alien Punk and he sold it for, uh, I think, upwards of $5 million at one point. And it, it was not an easy decision. <laughs> He had to write, uh, you know, massive tweet threads about it, about his, uh, um, you know, almost like a romantic affair with that thing. I understand that part. The part I will never personally understand, I suppose, is what happens when you sell an NFT. Because, um, and, and this goes back to why my job basically is the best in the world, is that we haven't sold a single NFT. We've been collecting since 2017, but neither Wait, Metacoval you, you nor I. Wait, you haven't sold one? No, n- not, a, not a single one. Oh my goodness. 
So I guess you're the wrong guy to ask. My apologies. Yeah, I, uh, I, I thought <laughs> I did a little no, bad research there. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I might be the right guy to ask this uh, question because it's it's interesting, right? Because you know it's going to be hard to uh, flip an NFT for, for people that really get the space. And so the question is, um, so what do you do with it then? And, you know, and that's that opens up so many more exciting doors for us. All of the innovation that we've been able to do in this space, whether it is, you know, the concept of ride share, which is basically uh, the ability to, uh, you know, via a smart con- contract, uh, lend your NFTs or even aspects of your NFTs out, or whether it is projects or productions like uh, the B20 project, which made, uh, you know, art experiential for the first time, or whether it is Dreamverse, which is an actual massive physical event in New York. These are all, in a sense, answers to the question, I'm not going to sell an NFT. What do I do with it? Great point there. And and that is the million dollar question that everyone is trying to attack. You just brought up the Dreamverse. I do want to talk about this. It is the bread and butter of the show. Incredible project that you and the team have. Before we get into that, I have to ask you the traditional question that everyone wants to hear. Please now, go ahead. A, a little a little prefix. You and I obviously both know the value behind NFTs. I'm always trying to get friends and family involved. I genuinely 100% believe that these will have a massive part in our future. How do you explain to people what an NFT is when they give you the classic? I don't get them. I can just right click and save the JPEG. How do you explain someone who's on the fence or doesn't believe in the metal? Oh, you're buying something way more uh, valuable than the JPEG. You're not buying the JPEG as such. You're buying something that can never be guaranteed in the real world. And that is um, provenance, I suppose. You know, if, if you look at the traditional art world, most of the resources, right, over 80% of the resources go into establishing uh, where that work of art really came from. Who does it actually belong to? Is it original? Is it fake? That problem is instantly and so simply solved on the blockchain. An NFT basically is just, um, you know, a digital pointer, right? It basically says, you know, this person or this this um, this ETH address owns this asset. That's it, and that's etched in stone, right? It's immutable. You can't fudge it. You can't delete it. It's there forever, and that's the power of NFTs. That's what you're buying, basically, and you get an incredible amount of freedom with that JPEG now, that, you know, now that you've established that provenance, think about it, right? I mean, if uh, if, if I had, say, uh, the Mona Lisa in my possession, I, you know, I'd, I'd be sweating bullets every day, thinking about, you know, is it going to crumble? You know, uh, is it going to break? Uh, is there too much humidity and so on? I can't, I can't show it to people. I can't, uh, you know, carry it around. I can't travel with it. Most importantly, I can't uh, sort of expand on the narrative on the beauty of why I bought that piece uh, because I can't show it to anybody. Mm. Now that the world knows and it is on the blockchain and verifiable that Metapurse, that Metacoven bought the people 5,000 piece, I can talk about it for 100 years, man. I can make a million copies now. It doesn't matter. But the fact that you've established that provenance, which is the most difficult thing to do in culture, in art, across the board, is what gives NFTs their power. Great explanation there. I'm glad we got that on tape. <laughs> I, I love that. The, the last part you just touched on, the culture, that's what I'm sort of most excited about is this next phase where you have musicians, more specifically rappers, who seem to really, at least in North America, 
they seem to really sculpt what our culture looks like. Rappers, athletes, artists, they're sort of, and, and I guess, you know, movie stars and, and maybe even politicians are sort of, those politicians follow. But the big four that I just mentioned sort of really sculpt what our culture looks like. And every single day on Twitter, on Discord, I'm seeing A-list celebs, athletes, rappers, musicians, artists who are getting into the space. And when they do something, people follow. And that's what gets me incredibly excited in regards to culture. And it's inevitable, isn't it? Uh, every person who's uh, an iconoclast in culture wants to live forever. And they're constantly looking at ways to achieve immortality in, in one way or another, either through community, either through you know being able to record what they've done uh, in some sort of an indelible way or uh, you know other means. And NFTs are the perfect vehicle for... Uh, uh, for that, aren't they, right? I mean, once you've, uh, NFTs become this perfect time capsule of culture, right? Once you've captured a moment, you know, uh, it, it's funny I say moment because this is what NBA Drop Shots uh, uh, practically does, isn't it? They capture those moments and now they're on the blockchain. They're immutable. They are there forever. That's what artists look for all the time. So, you know, as long as the internet exists, you know, everything else can disappear. But, you know, my deeds, my art, my a piece of my soul basically is trapped in in amber in in that nft and and that's why you see this uh, massive exodus of uh, of people coming to the space very very powerful and very addicting and great shout out to nba top shot uh, the NFL, the National Football League, one of the biggest sports leagues in the world, just signed a deal with Dapper Labs as well. And I love a good old football, American football highlight, a big hit or a great catch, whatever the case may be, a nice juke, spin move, 360. That's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to buy some of those. Moving forward and talking about the Metaverse, I love the name. It is one of my favorite names in all of crypto. You have, of course, Meta, the Metaverse, and, and just the name Meta itself. The meaning of Meta is exponential. And then Purse, where sort of everything just lives and chills in you and Meta Coven's purse. Absolutely love the name. Did you guys have like an aha moment when, when one of you thought of that? No, th this feels like an aha moment. I'm going to steal that explanation from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Tell me tell me about the Meta Purse and what your job is as steward of the Meta Purse. Also, what, one, one other point in that. How cool is that? That most people have CEO or president or chairman or founder. You know, your title is steward. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it, it keeps things so simple, doesn't it? I mean, for one, um, and, and this is what makes it such a, a fantastic uh, uh, role or a job, right? Is that all of the money comes from Metacoven, right? He's the only and sole financer of uh, the Metaverse. My job is basically to spend his money on NFTs. That you, you I, I have, let that sink in for a second. You have the best job in the whole world. Maybe if I could do anything else, maybe a professional golfer or a professional hockey player. Otherwise, I I don't think there's a job in the world I'd rather have than yours. <laughs> Correct, right? It's, <laughs> it's wonderful because uh, uh, you know the, the idea of Metaverse itself has uh, and is constantly evolving. It it started off as uh, a way for us to depart toes in the space and, and to carry a little bit of intention to it. And then it, it started to evolve more and more and more. And now we, and after people and after the, uh, the big people incident, as I call it, we find ourselves thrust with uh, a strange sense of responsibility now, right? Now we've, we've, we are on the global stage. 
whether we like it or not, whether we ask for it or not, what do we do with this? What do we do with the voice that we have? And I understood that, you know, it, it can't be anything um, petty. Uh, at the same time, it can't be, you know, trying to solve world hunger. It, it should be something that we are able to do and that we feel deeply about, and that is culture. You know, that is to open up uh, spaces within the metaverse for cultures that would otherwise not have any representation. For instance, uh, the culture that I'm from, that Metacovin is from, from the south of India, Tamil culture, right? It's, uh, uh, it, it is not what is instantly uh, showcased when people talk about India. And that's the same case in, in any, any country, I suppose. There are underrepresented cultures everywhere. And, and the NFT space sort of opens that up instantly, right? It, it can put forth uh, a musician who otherwise would have to struggle for three generations to first be heard in his hometown, in his country, and then on a global stage. Whereas in the NFT space, he's instantly put in front of a global audience. That possibility, just to uh, you know, enable that possibility, is what we see our, our job is. And we can think of a better way to do that than through party, basically. <laughs> I don't know if it, if it is a lack of imagination or uh, you know, a way to distill uh, a massive, massive goal into something that that's tangible, that we can do, that we'd enjoy. But this is it, you know, bringing people together, creating those moments of serendipity and allowing those network effects to happen like a rhizome, right? Uh, almost, or like uh, you know, some sort of a fission reaction. When different and, and beautiful creative forces collide, magic happens and that's what we're going to continue to do. I love that. You you tweeted a couple of days ago about the raison d'être the, the 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 reason the the being behind the metaverse and the joy you get from working with other artists that I I believe I'm not sure if it was you who wrote it or someone else but that was a great medium post and I'm just very curious to understand what makes it so addictive and transformative to work with artists me personally I've never created an NFT um, I've only purchased them but I'd love to sort of get in your noggin and and if you could explain, I know it's a tough one, but what makes it so addictive and transformative? No, it's not tough at all, Matt, because uh, uh, this is what I've been thinking of for the last uh, two years, right? And I understood uh, something quite early on in the NFT space. Um, let me take you back to, say, March or April of 2020, right? I mean, up until then, for over three decades, we, we've all been exposed to art, right? Growing up, we know that art exists and we're influenced by it one way or another, but it's always sort of in the background. It's subdermal in a sense. And when you want to reach out and sort of engage with art, two things happen. One, you find out that most of the art that you want to engage with is locked up in some ivory tower, that it's accessible only to people with a lot of money. And the other thing that happens is that you're instantly made to feel that you're not cultured enough, that you're not... Um, worthy enough to engage with art. And that's how we grew up all our lives. Most people, right? That completely, uh, you know, changed, that shattered, that notion shattered when I entered the NFT space. You know, over the course of six to eight months, I'd been able to forge these profound, intense, transformative relationships with over 100 artists, 150 artists. And it, man, uh, I can't tell you what it did to my own sense of self-worth. It told me that I was worthy enough to engage with art. And, you know, quite honestly, that feeling 
is what we want to propagate rather than the actual you know act of uh, engaging with an artist or creating some piece but that that moment in which you establish a connection with an artist and he changes you for the better that's what this is about and the reason artists are able to do that to you is because they can remove most of the constraints or most of the criteria that you use to view the world uh, they could be economic criteria they could be reputational criteria all of that is sort of uh, you know dehusked and you're left with pure purpose you're left with just uh, you know happiness in the process and the beauty of it is once you go through that process what comes out almost uh, always turns out to be something spectacular something to look forward to something that you know 100 people would cherish i don't know if that answers the question but you know this is this is how i feel about it no i i love that that's something that i could not articulate myself and um, I guess the million dollar question is how do you, how do you replicate that? You talked about trying to actually create that feeling so others could feel it too. But what's the secret sauce behind that? There's two ways, right? One, uh, and that's the beauty of the metaverse. Basically, um, the metaverse is a place where uh, you know all of these creative forces uh, that I talked about get to collide. You know, people like you and I can meet. You know, you can meet a whole bunch of artists. You can meet people like uh, Matty. You can get in touch with anybody, basically, right in the space because it's still so small. It's still so rarefied. Uh, it, it's like a small town. Everybody can still know uh, everybody else. But then, the metaverse was never meant to be an alternative to the real world, but rather something that's designed to make the real world better. If I may call it that, and so all of these relationships that you forge in the metaverse need to be translated and sort of transplanted in the real world, in the form of uh, you know initiatives or work that you do together, in the form of uh, real world meetings, and and to see what you can do, uh, sort of you know to to propagate that uh, that connection that you form in the metaverse, and that's where Dreamverse, uh, the idea of Dreamverse itself uh, came about. Right up until now, the uh, NFTs. Are considered this this abstract virtual thing. What would happen when you sort of took the whole concept, the whole idea of NFTs as we understand it, and sort of dropped it in the center of New York? You know, the kind of cultural explosion that would happen. What would happen when NFTs made landfall? Basically, that's what Dreamverse is about. Oh, you can't just stop there. You got to keep going. Give me the goods. Tell me more about Dreamverse. All right. <laughs> oh man, where do I start? Dreamverse is, uh, you know, it's. it's uh, I now realize it's it's like uh, um, the work of a lifetime. It's not, it's not a one-time event. It'll have to be uh, an annual event. It's happening on the fourth of November at Terminal Five, which is which is an amazing amazing venue uh, in Brooklyn, and uh, it's got two parts essentially, Matt. The first part is the Dreamverse Gallery, which is basically the largest ever collection of NFT art in one physical space. We're showcasing art from over 150 artists. It's been curated by 10 OG artists, you know, like a lot of money, like Josie Bellini, Sparrow, Angie Taylor, Skinny, and a bunch of others. Wow! And uh, it it also features artists like uh, Rafi Kanadol, uh, Drew Kataoka. Uh, you know, um, Diane Sinclair and <laughs> so many others, right? It's got uh, art in in two dimensions. It, it's got art in VR. It's got AR installations and so much more, right? This is an immersive physical experience that you get to share with with a hundred other people in a physical space in New York, right? I'll let that sink in for a second, and then we have uh, the Dreamverse Party, which is basically an EDM concert. 
headlined by Alesso with opening performances by RAC and Please and Thank You. And there are also going to be a couple of massive reveals there. For one, um, the Dreamverse party is where the Beeple 5000 piece is officially unveiled on 24-foot vertical screens on a stage. <laughs> and also, we will announce uh, and we will unveil a structure uh, designed for the metaverse in which the Beeple piece will uh, find its permanent address. And, um, you know, that's that that particular structure is designed by amazing architects based out of New York called Holly 13. Um, and the lead architect in Holly 13, basically Joshua Ramos, is designing the Perlman Performing Arts Center at the World Trade Center. That is, um, but put it, I, I guess this shows how much I love NFTs. You just give me goosebumps just thinking about all that stuff. Even Beeple's, you know, 5,000 everyday piece, the fact that that's going to be the, the first showcase and the first time the public's ever seen it in person is uh, is absolute bananas. I guess the next question is, how can people take part in this event? Lovely. Glad you asked. I should have, I should have led with that, but you know, <laughs> I get carried away sometimes. <laughs> um, dreamverse.life. Um, the website's live. Uh, the tickets are on sale. I think the VIP tickets just sold out uh, um, a couple of days ago. But uh, a lot of the party tickets are still available. There is an unlimited number of uh, gallery, Dreamverse gallery tickets. So, you know, you can just go in, pick a few tickets up. Um, you can either choose to buy an NFT ticket, which is basically, which has been designed by a lot of money, incidentally. And when you buy it, it's in grayscale. And once you scan it at the event, it turns uh, to a color version of it. <laughs> You guys really pulled out all the tricks, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and and the the dream team. Now, when I was doing my research for the show, of course, I did a lot about Dreamverse. The team that you guys have assembled to make this happen is like that's like a Mount Rushmore NFT dream team. Tell me about the team who's bringing this all together. Oh man, where do I start? I mean, you know, I, I got uh, overwhelmed a couple of weeks ago when we tried to. Um, sort of do a call, like a Zoom conversation with all of the stakeholders, right? And I realized uh, it was close to 100 people, not just stakeholders, people that were uh, involved in putting the event together. I'm talking about the 10, um, uh, you know, curators, talking about Time, Keith Grossman from Time. You know, Time is one of the curators here and uh, you, you saw his recent drop, Time Pieces, right? All of those are going to be on display at Dreamverse as well. Uh, we have featured artists. We have Eventique, which is an award-winning event firm out of New York that's basically taking care of all the production. We have uh, Jadu and Ouroboros making AR uh, magic. Uh, we have... Uh, <laughs> uh, I could go on and on, man. Quite quite honestly, I could go on and on. This And, and, this, is, and this is the beauty of the NFT space, right? You, you can't dream of putting something like this together if not for that common thread of uh, NFTs, um, you know, running through each and every one of these stakeholders. Now, I would love to show up and, and you and I are going to talk after the show about about ways that, that again, I, I got a plan, but we'll talk after the show. Now, if I were to show up in some merch, let's say like, uh, like a cool cat t-shirt that I just ordered or something of the like, would that sort of be the, the feng shui and style of the show? Or is this more, you know, suit and tie kind of thing? What are we looking at there? It's a party, man. So I can wear whatever I want. Exactly. What if, or, what if I show, what if I show up in like a Borat thong? That, most welcome. As long as you have that <laughs> ticket, <laughs> walk right in. <laughs> we'll stand you well, on the podium and make you a work of art. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe I could be a piece here. Um, 
Folks, want to take a quick break and give a huge shout out to our sponsor of the show, Prime XBT. You know, I love these guys. I've been using them for a couple of months now. They are incredible partners of cryptonews.com as well. And we're always excited about the products that they offer. Personally, my favorite part about Prime XBT is that all traders, doesn't matter your experience level, you can easily design and customize layouts and widgets to best fit your trading style. Prime XBT is always offering innovative products and professional trading conditions to all customers. The best part is they are offering a exclusive promotion for listeners of the podcast. After making your first deposit, 50% of that first deposit will be credited to your account as a bonus that can be used as additional collateral to open positions. This promotion is available for a month after activation and will be the boost you need to get the hang of trading quickly and efficiently. The promo code is CryptoNews50. That is CryptoNews50. One word, 50 is 50. Use that to take advantage of this offer. Again, CryptoNews50 to receive 50% off of your deposit credited to your trading account. Now back to the show with Tubador. Mate, I have one Oh man, what am I saying? I have one. I have so many questions for you. I know you're a busy guy and I'm so grateful for your time. I could talk to you for probably two weeks straight. I want to get into your head and ask about your workflow and how you choose which NFTs to pick. When I've asked questions like this before, it's so difficult to explain. I'll start and I'll, I'll sort of answer the question myself. When I see an NFT, it gives me that type of feeling. It's hard to explain that feeling, but the first thing is usually the art. You see it, you're like, wow, that's beautiful. I resonate with this. I like this. Whether it's the style, the lines, the colors, you name it. That's sort of step one. Now, that's the qualitative, which I really want to get from you. On the quantitative, it's a little bit easier. You look at the price. You can look at the Discord, how active the founding team is, how, how are the devs, the whole nine yards. That stuff is more quant and you can check that out. But from a qualitative aspect, how do you choose which NFTs to become a part of? You know, the, the qualitative and quantitative, uh, I believe, can never be part of uh, the same process uh, because they are massively um, conflicting in that sense, right? So if you if you really like an NFT, say a work of art, then you just like it. It it then doesn't matter, you know, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's scarce, whether it's by an artist that you admire or not, and all of that comes much later, right? So on the other hand, when you're looking at it quantitatively, and this is something that shouldn't be a massive mystery uh, as far as I'm concerned, because the one big advantage that the NFT space offers is that you can approach it from a context that you're completely comfortable with. Like you said, if you're into American football and NBA Top Shot launches a drop, then you know exactly what to look for. You know exactly why things are priced the way they are. You know if, if, if they're overpriced, if they're underpriced. You know if the uh, economics of the whole model uh, uh, is sustainable or not. So you know that offhand because you are so involved uh, in the game that you understand the game. It's the same thing when it comes to in-game assets. It's the same thing when you look at any other asset class within the NFT space. The trick is to approach it from a context that you understand in real life and not look at it as, you know, uh, a new fad or a rage that's hit the NFT space. And now I have to FOMO all over it. Right now I'll get to the qualitative part, which is, uh, you know, which is which is sublime. Right. It it essentially means that you have to put yourself in a, a, a flow state. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to make it uh, uh, way more uh, profound than it actually is it's just it's just how you described it you you like an nft uh first you know you you form that connection and then you look at the artist 
and then uh, uh, if all of the other considerations sort of uh, melt away. So when someone asks you this, and, and you and I very well could be on the same page here, but when I get asked, hey, what should I buy? What should I do? I don't really want to tell people what to buy unless I'm pretty positive that it will be a, a good ROI return on investment. I always just say, honestly, pick a budget that you can afford to lose, buy something you like, and the rest will take care of itself. You'll get addicted. You'll be a huge fan. You're set for life. What do you tell people when they first want to get in? I tell, I ask them if they're in it for an ROI or if they just want to, you know, buy something cool for themselves. That'd be a good place to start. And then I tell them what I just told you to start uh, from a place that they understand very well in real life, so that they can find parallels in the NFT space and then work their way outwards. You know, you know larger and larger circles of understanding. Right? If if, if you're into um, uh, you know, if you're into Formula One racing, go to uh, F1 Delta Time. If you're into gaming, start with uh, Axis Infinity, maybe. Yeah. Stuff like that. If you're into football, no, you know, you're, you're bang on. That way. Yeah. And speaking of, of learning and, and finding places to learn more about it, a great spot to learn is NFT Radio, hosted by the man himself, Tubador. I love the name, of course. It's great. It's uh, it's almost like a heck. Why didn't someone create this before? It's so obvious, but yet so powerful. Tell me about NFT Radio, and a follow up to that is: When are you going to have me on the show? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do it next week, man. And you know, love it. Talking to you is obviously a pleasure. So you know, I'm happy for you to hop on anytime. <laughs> NFT Radio is one of those things uh, we started to do uh, after after March, after the people thing happened, right? It. It was my way of trying to make sense of uh, where we were, what the uh, industry is, and you know uh, what the heck to do next, basically. And, and I just started to um, schedule a lot of these uh, shows. The first season we did, uh, uh, we did ten days straight, and then now the cadence is uh, one a week. But those ten days taught me a lot. It helped me and Metacoven sort of process what had happened. You know, all, each conversation gave us uh, a little more insight, not just uh, into the space itself, but into how we were feeling at that point. And so it, it has now become an essential part of my life. And with each conversation, whether it's with an artist or whether it's uh, with a founder, whether it's thematic or whether it's just nostalgic, like reliving a previous conversation, it on the whole, it's very therapeutic to me. It, it certainly is. Tubador, this has been absolutely incredible. Like I said, I could probably talk to you for a month straight. I might get a little hungry and thirsty, but uh, those are good problems to have when you're talking to you. Before we wrap up, any questions for me? I mean, uh, I'm best experienced in small doses, so I'm glad you're wrapping up now. Uh, you won't be able to stand a lot more of me. Uh, yeah, but, but this has been an absolute pleasure. You're, you're very articulate. The, the questions are spot on. And it is. Uh, it always feels nice when... When someone's done a little bit of homework about you, and it's uh, it's an honor, basically, right, to me. And so I, I want to respect that, and I hope I haven't been too boring on your show. That have made it a little interesting. No, man, this is like I said, this has been an absolute treat, and uh, rarely do I get goosebumps on the pod, and you gave me goosebumps a couple times today. So really appreciate you jumping on, and I would absolutely love to have you on for round two in the future. Um, but with that being said, before we let you go, can you please let our guests know where they can find? You, the Metaverse, and Dreamverse online and on socials. Awesome. I mean, Dreamverse.life is an excellent place to start. It's uh, it's a nice capsule of uh, what we're going to be up to uh, over the next few months and basically a culmination of our journey in the NFT space. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tubador. 
um you can check out dreamverse underscore life on twitter as well and yeah that's it that should have you set amazing and as always folks i will include all of the notes links and everything else you could ever dream of uh in the show notes uh it'll also be on everything crypt news has to offer and we'll be blasting this on socials as always Tubador, you're the man. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I would wish you good luck for Dreamverse in November, but you will definitely not need it. So I will just send the usual, sending good vibes over your way. But I uh, really appreciate this, man. Thanks again and uh, would love to have you on for round two. Happy to be back. Call me anytime, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. Folks, this was a phenomenal episode with Tubador from the Metaverse and Dreamverse crazy knowledge bombs dropped in this i'll be definitely listening to this i'm gonna be going for a walk hopefully it's sunny out and i will be re-listening wow what a treat really appreciate you all listening as always we're dropping on mondays and thursdays wishing you all a wonderful rest of the day whether that's the morning afternoon evening you name it stay safe be well sending good vibes away and as always love you all for listening have a good one bye for now